Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. On Monday, Danny Clark turned 18. Oh, birthday. On Tuesday, his inheritance arrived. Happy birthday, son. That's awesome. On Wednesday, he fell in love. Uh, why would I want to go out with him? On Thursday, he was an emotional wreck. But on Friday, Danny had an idea. Well, I'll pick up my new car. I'm not really into cars. Oh, it's a Jaguar. I told her I got a Jaguar. Well, it was in the heat of the moment. Desperate times take desperate measures. You're not buying a car. You're buying a piece of motor industry. Now, with the car of his dreams and a date with Joanna... And don't you try touching her breasts. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Apart from everything. Good evening. And welcome to television. G'day! Hello! Hello! Hey! Hey! Whoa! Hello. I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm with Philip Hunting. And welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. We absolutely do, my friend. So tell me, Phil, what have you been watching since our last podcast? Well... I have been trying to get onto watching The Bad Batch. Right. Which is a Star Wars spin-off. Oh, you like Star Wars, do you? Oh, yeah, oh just, just a little bit. bit. The problem is, yep. I still haven't finished The Clone Wars. <laughs> okay, Phil. Now, how long have you been watching The Clone Wars? I have you... been watching The Clone Wars for several years. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem is... <laughs> the, the problem is I keep, like, stopping halfway through. Yeah. And then trying to do the, I've seen this one, I've seen this one. But then not remembering enough. Yes. So I just ultimately start fresh. <laughs> Makes sense. I'm legitimately, I think, on my third viewing and I've only gotten up to like season four. Okay, how many seasons? Uh, a lot. A lot, yeah. There's yep. like 11, I believe. I can't say that for sure. Okay. But there's a lot. Yeah, that's that's okay. I mean, look, it's the Star Wars franchise, so let's be honest. <laughs> It will not end. It will not end. It will keep going. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Always keep going. They've even got to the point that on Disney Plus you can watch something called Star Wars The Clone Wars Essential Episodes. Right, so you can is, shortcut. So you can shortcut <laughs> so you can get to everything else. I did see that and I was so tempted. It would not be uh, like you, mate. It would, no, you, I'm going to watch the whole thing. I feel like you would feel dirty yeah, if definitely. you shortcut through Star Wars. It's so weird. They've also got one, the Ahsoka Tano Essential Episodes, mm-hmm. because she showed up in one episode of The Mandalorian, <laughs> and then they're like, quick, you need to tell everyone who she is. Yeah, no, <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. So yeah, so that's where I've been at. Um, how about yourself, Wayne? Yeah, well, Phil, I've been watching a series as well, but... Unlike you, I haven't gone for an indefinite one. I've gone one that went for four episodes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm horrible at binging. I'm horrible at committing to long shows uh, unless they're really riveting and and maybe I've even seen them before and just want to revisit. So I watched a documentary series called The Reagans. Yeah, about Ronald Reagan and his wife Nancy Reagan and their time in power in the White House. And it really looked at how... Nancy influenced her husband's leadership and how, you know, that old saying of behind every great man, there is a great woman. It kind of reflects that as well. By all means, I'm not calling Reagan a great man, but just <laughs> using a, a, a phrase yeah. that is known. 
but it is actually interesting because it explores the myth of Reagan versus the reality. Yeah. His more left-wing upbringing to right-wing politics and why that was so. And one thing that I really respect about this series, mm. and more so the individual I respect in this series who was mm. interviewed, is Ronald Reagan's son, Ronald Jr., Ooh. who gives these personal insights as the son talking about the father mm. more than someone talking about the president. Yeah. And it's not like he's saying that he had the perfect dad. He's critical mm. of his father. He praises him when he needs to. Mm. It's an incredibly well-balanced opinion and well-rounded opinion. And I was just like, good on you, Ronald yeah. Jr. I just thought that that was really... Like, good on you for doing that, for saying, you know what? I didn't agree with my dad on this. No, dad was wrong about this. This is where he came from. He exaggerated this. Like, mm. you know, like, very balanced. And I was I, I was just like, good on you, man. That's got to be so hard because, like, if we were interviewed about our fathers... Yeah. Or our parents or whatever, you know, we'd say, oh, yeah, they were, you know, they were good parents. Uh, you know, oh, upbringing was right, right, But generally speaking, we wouldn't feel we had to defend them. We wouldn't no. feel we'd have to sugarcoat or something. This is basically saying, so, your father held the lives of thousands upon thousands of peoples in his hand mm. and his choices changed the world mm. one way or another. Yeah, yeah. How do you treat you at Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. And I mean, of course, the you know context being is you're talking about somebody who is well known, mm. well publicized, well criticized, has Reaganism. The era of the 80s where a lot happened was under his power. So... Yeah, it's not like Ronald Jr. could hide anything no, that, we, exactly. that we don't already know. But in saying that, he goes further than he needed to. Because he could have just really towed the line. Mm. And you wouldn't hold it against him. No, no, at exactly. All. So, saying, no, you're protecting your dad. That's... Yeah, and also, look, yeah, you know, that's what the media shows. But mm. you know him in real life. If you say he was like that, that's your point of view and that's valid. Mm. But again, he just gives all of these different sides. That's amazing. Yeah, and he does it with empathy, with understanding. It's not like a, a scorned son getting back at daddy or whatever. Like, it's... Yeah, I just... It's difficult for me to put into words how impressed I was yeah. by his insight into this former president who just happened to be his father. And, yeah, so if you're interested in politics, if you're interested in that era of world history, really, mm. because, you know, when America does anything, <laughs> it affects the world. Yeah. So it's always relevant, at least from World War Two onwards. So, yeah, no, I was really, really impressed by it. The Reagans is what the documentary is oh, called. I might actually look that one up. Yeah, yeah, I think you would enjoy it, Phil. I yeah. think you absolutely would. In the meantime, mm. what is today's film? Well, Phil, today we're reviewing the Australian comedy crime caper, The Big Steel. Please explain. After his parents give him their belovedness in Cedric, 18-year-old Danny Clark, Ben Mendelsohn, trades his car in for an early model Jaguar to impress the girl of his dreams, Joanna Johnson, Claudia Carvin. However, when Danny discovers that he's been conned by used car salesman Gordon Farkas, Steve Bisley, he decides to take the dodgy dealer for a ride. Director Nadia Tass and writer David Parker, who also both produced the film, mortgaged their house in order to finance the production, which received nine actor, formerly AFI, award nominations, winning three, including Best Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor for Steve Bisley. So, Philip, did you go for a joyride with the big steel? I had a bit of a um, 
uh, roller coaster with this show. <laughs> it wasn't a joy ride, it was a roller coaster ride for yeah, you. Yeah, that's it, that's <laughs> it. I feel this show really had three distinct segments. Yeah. <laughs> um, the first one I would describe as sort of after school, special, which for me is always a little bit cringy. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with, I don't know if I've spoken about this on this podcast before actually I actually really struggle with cringy films mm. I think we'll get into that a little bit later but um, <laughs> sure. the second part for me was the sort of crime caper part yeah um, where it was sort of an action thriller sort of <laughs> a teen heist whatever you want to mm. sort of call it there and then the third part was this sort of a uh, Keeping up appearances, you know, <laughs> Mrs. Bouquet, um, sort of bits where it just felt like, and, and to be honest, that part consisted of the the, the, the narration at the end. The still that, photos. The still photos. It was cute. It just really, I got this huge wave of, especially with the final bit, um, <laughs> the Johnsons are trying to avoid. <laughs> And it just felt like such a Mrs. Bouquet moment. Yeah. Um, again, this, yeah, but I struggled at the start. Yeah. So, Phil, you said the word cringy. Yes. So, what do you what do you mean by that? Like, I know what obviously the word cringy means, yeah. but like there are moments where I think you cringe at what's unfolding. Mm. But for me, when I sort of scrunch up my face and be like, oh, Danny, don't rah-rah. Mm. Like, you know, if you want to call that cringing, it's not because of the film. It's not because of the story or the mm. script or dialogue or anything like that. But it's because I want to leap into the film and protect Danny. And that <laughs> makes me uncomfortable. Well, good it's films all... should make you uncomfortable, <laughs> Oh, here we go, here we go. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not saying, but I'm not saying this is bad. No, right? I know, I know. So there is two types of cringe. You've alluded yeah. to both of them. The first one is that sort of is bad writing, bad directing, yeah. bad acting. I'm not talking about that. That, yeah. to me, just falls under a bad film. Yeah. For me, cringe is... Certain actors will always get me with it. For example, um, Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. A lot of his works, whilst they're brilliant, and I acknowledge that they're great works, mm. they just hit me on this cringe factor of oh, I just mm, you oh, you Dumb and Dumber. I can't watch Dumb and Dumber. Oh wow! It, it's just the stupidity of the characters. It actually doesn't go far enough for me. Right. So I have this thing where if the stupidity goes far enough where they're totally, like, cartoonishly oblivious. Inspector Gadget, Inspector Clouseau, they're sort of oblivious to what Mm. they've done around them. Yeah. I can deal with that. When they're not oblivious, like Dumb and Dumber, they're idiots, and they're oblivious when the gag needs it, Mm. but they're not oblivious to the point of cartoon right. sort of gets away with it sort yeah. of thing. So how does the cringe factor work in this yeah, film? It, here it's because it, it is that, like, you na- hit the nail on the head just then. It's the 30-year-old looking at the 18-year-old <laughs> and going, don't, don't yeah. sell your car for, yeah. for, for you know, yeah, okay, you're chasing the dream and all that, but you're being sold a lemon. And, <laughs> and a lot of it is also, I've been there. Yeah, and, exactly. That's why I'm not saying this is a bad film. I yeah. just have a personal struggle with that. Yeah. Which does not reflect the film. No, because I think Ben Mendelsohn does such a great job mm. at portraying that awkwardness. Yes. Uh, and I think that's why I sort of alluded to, if I'm, if I'm sort of scrunching my face up or recoiling, I'm just like, 
Daddy, don't. I just want to wrap him in, in cotton wool and protect him from the mm. world because the poor boy does not have an easy time throughout no, this no. film. So he goes through a few misadventures and mishaps, really. Mm. And one of the things that, that I actually find quite interesting in this is that, look, it's established that he has a passion for Jags. Yes. It's something that he'll always want. Now, we could argue... He's only 18. He's still pursuing his education. Mm. There is time for him to, to, to get a job, to take a loan, to save, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to get the jag of his dreams. Mm. However, he is so smitten by Joanne that he's just like, oh, I'll you know, pick you up in my jag. Yeah. And he's said it now. And because he's put it out into the world, and especially to her, he mm. has to follow through. Yeah. I love the irony of it all his car makes absolutely no difference to her had he never said that she would have gone out with him anyway and she pretty much tells him as much as soon as he says I've got a jag she's like you know that's not a selling point that's not an advantage and to be perfectly frank yeah he could have then even having said it Mm. he could have then picked her up in the Cedric yeah and she would have gone, oh, I thought you said a jag. And he could have just said, yeah, yeah, sorry, posty. <laughs> yeah. And she would not have given a, a rat. And to be honest, she probably would have even forgotten by that time. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. I mean, he does say later on that he then pursued getting the jag because yes. he didn't want it to be a lie. So it's like, you know, the truth retrospectively yeah. type thing. Yeah. So that shows some sort of nobility about him, I guess. Oh, most certainly. But, but, um, but the fact that it never needed to happen to begin with yes. is there's something really sweet and awkward and you just want to smack him and say, oh, gosh, kid, you got to grow up. And I think, again, this brings back a little bit of my cringe in the sense that I feel we've all been there. Oh my goodness, yes. I have said things to impress people. Even people I don't care about impressing. (laughs) Just because I'm like, I don't want to be the lowest uh, (laughs) uh, rat pack right now. (laughs) No, but it is true. Sometimes you'll just say something and you'll just be like, what the fuck? (laughs) It's like, what am I doing here? Oh, Yeah, exactly. And that, I think, is where a lot of the cringe also can come from because it's that... Like, oh, I'm remembering past events. You know what? And I think that that's what I enjoy about seeing this story unfold. I love seeing these characters. I love the characters together. They've got gorgeous Mm. dynamics. You really believe they're friends. You believe that Joanne is just this perfect girl. Mm. (laughs) You know, she's Mm. so sweet. And yeah, yeah, I like I I bought the world. Like no, I believe I believe the world. Yeah. And I like that they, you know, didn't sort of go down those tropes. I mean, I, I know this is a nineteen ninety film, mm. but even back then, the loner, the mm. oh, I'm the geek and I'm don't have any friends, they could have gone down that. But the fact that they gave him some friends, they just made him an average Joe. They made him just average kid, a little bit of self esteem issues, who mm. doesn't? Yeah. He's got his mates. The fact that they had a nerd character that they didn't actually pick on particularly for being a nerd. No, they've gone for the archetypes with these three boys. You're right. You've got Danny, who is your average kid. Yeah, a little bit awkward. You've got Mark, who is nerdy and is quick with speaking well and articulating. He's got that moment in class where he has to justify designing this poster. 
And then you've got Van, who is this really macho guy, but he's quite sweet in himself yeah. as well. There's this brotherhood with these three. Yeah, that's it. And you just feel like for them to be friends at this stage in their young lives, they've known each other since kinder. Mm. <laughs> or something, you know, very, very no, early on. Especially because we are talking 1990, so they would have known each other through late 70s, maybe very early 80s, mm-hmm. when you still got this culture shift distinction between multiculturalism yeah. in Australia going on. And we see that little bit of racism jump into yeah. it as well from Gordon when he's confronting Van. We've got those stereotypes, yeah. even the type of car that Van drives. Yeah. So it's alluding to that quite cleverly but it's never at the forefront and it's never an issue between Mm, these boys and also their backgrounds their socioeconomic backgrounds their cultural identities what they're studying all of this it doesn't define them yeah where they work is used more as a to help the plot along yeah like a plot device and it's central Mm. That's just a matter of convenience for the story and it's perfectly yeah. fine. But, you know, it doesn't try to make any sort of political statements or social commentaries, mm. uh, I suppose, beyond buyer beware <laughs> <laughs> more than yeah. anything else. Like, I'm sure it's a lot deeper than that. But, uh, you, you know, like, uh, that that's the angle that no, it's going I, for. I, I, no, I strongly agree with what you're saying there. And um, you're right. They've, they've sort of gone... Hey, this stuff exists. You know what? It, it actually feels a lot more real for me as well mm. because these sort of issues exist even today. Yeah. And there are communities and there are people who face this sort of stuff. Mm. Racism, sexism, homophobia, etc. every day. Mm. But there's also great swathes and chunks of people who don't face it every day. Yeah. And I think this is just showing that sort of side as well. Not not trying to you know whitewash it or say, no, of oh, course. Like this, but it's just trying to show that it's showing, I think, a more realistic side where it's that's not the forefront. Mm. This is something that exists. Yeah. Meanwhile, this is the story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it also has that familiar trope, and I think it uses it well, of kids outsmarting adults yeah. who treat kids stupid Mm. because they're kids but we're also talking much older kids than is normally used in stories like this you know normally it's pre-teens or early teens there's a plethora of them right you know most famously you've got movies like The Goonies you've got BMX Bandits which Angelo D'Angelo who plays Van was actually Mm. in you've got those tropes whereas here it's older kids but they're still young people yeah they still seem like idiots yeah they don't have the world experience mm. like it's great you know they're going to school they're working mm. they go out so you know they, they, they've seen the world but yeah. they don't have the life experience and yeah. because of that they're taken advantage of yes especially because when they first get the jag they're doing everything right mm. your van is there checking the engine making sure it's all good and, yeah. and all that and then you've got Farkas who goes and switches the engines over. Yeah. So really, you could have done that to anybody. Exactly. You know, but the fact that they're young people, mm. 
oh, it's easier to take advantage of them. And it's, Let me trick you into committing a crime by forging your yes, father's signature. that's it. It's all, all the little bits. All of those things. Because as adults, we know better. Mm. We wouldn't do that. But the manipulation that is used to mm. get Danny to, to buy the car and lock him in to this overpriced contract mm. says a lot. So, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's well done, I think. I agree, definitely. Yeah. But speaking of these gorgeous young kids, <laughs> let's talk about these characters and the talented cast of The Big Steel. Our protagonist is Ben Mendelsohn in one of his very early roles as Danny Clark. You know, I've called him adorable and awkward, <laughs> uh, adorable even if you want to go that far. Uh, he, there's just something very genuine and likable about him. He's incredibly accessible and relate him, I think, for someone who's very early on in his career, he does so well here. Oh, most certainly. And again, I think he he makes it more realistic. Mm. It is that um, naivety. It's that even like the rescue plan. Mm. It's not like they're the Secret Seven where everything goes perfect. There, <laughs> yeah. or, or they absolutely. He jumps into the building. Mm. Only for Mark, who was kidnapped, uh, to have been not there to begin with. Yeah, who got released. Who got released. <laughs> so it's like if he waited a few minutes earlier. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. And so then they're not even trying to uh, overpower them or make them yeah. the, the, the you know absolute heroes. But they definitely have this, this sweet... Um, hero complexes (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like it's that sort of sense of social justice Mm. that young people tend to to have I mean a lot of people have it but Mm. it's very um, impassioned in young people (laughs) the fact that he's like they're trying to make him have learn a lesson in the sense of he says to his dad look this is my mistake I'll I'll fix it sort of Mm. thing but in the end it's still really the adults who sweep everything up and mop it all up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but one could argue probably it should be because it was the adults who wronged him to begin yeah, with who true. took advantage of him. Can I just say how inept the police are in this movie? <laughs> Again, another trope familiar yeah. in comedies and <laughs> crime yeah. capers, really. <laughs> anyway, continuing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that one out there. No, but they're, you know, they're used to great effect. You know, mm. But you also do sense, though, there's a brief conversation with that police officer in Farkas when um, Farkas is complaining about his mm. vehicle and stuff that, you know, the, there's at least a division mm. of the police who Correct. know, yeah, his yep. shoddy dealings and who, who help him with it for their own financial gain. That's not explored a lot, but I guess it explains yeah, that, why Farkas gets away with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel there's a few points like that that are a little bit... There was a bigger script and like, it got cut yep. sort of thing. It just feels a little bit... Either that or a little bit too sort of plot armory, you know? Yeah. Oh, we need a reason for this to be... Okay, let's, let's shove this in here. Yeah. Just a little bit of that happened a couple of times. Some of the things were undercooked for you? Just a little undercooked. Like, I don't need every branch to have its backstory told yeah. to me, but let me have a bit more than a... A single scene going, oh, by the way, the police are corrupt. <laughs> and then it never be brought up again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess the police probably win at the end of the day. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the moral of the story. <laughs> but yeah, we've got uh, Danny just 
trying to to woo Joanna and trying to get his engine back. And yes. he does it with the help of his two gorgeous friends, Mark and Van. We've talked a bit about them that, you know, they're the different archetypes mm-hmm. here. They all blend really well together. I don't think that Damon Harriman is given a lot to do no. as Mark. He's used effectively mm. in the story, serves his plot points really, really yeah. well, performs it well. But but not quite as much as Angelo D'Angelo as Van, mm. um, his other mate, who to me is fleshed out. Yeah. I feel that is just the, the right amount of fleshed out for this character. We didn't need to know his family yeah. or anything like that, but it's just just the right amount. Yeah. He's well, gorgeous, mind you. <laughs> he's a side note. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a very talented young man, yeah. But I do like how they tell us everything we need to know about him as soon as we see him. The first time we see him, his top has the Greek flag. Yeah. He's got, you know, the muscles, the the, the tan skin, the olive skin. He's got the, <laughs> the jewellery on. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, it's in the walk. So he really embodies this gorgeous aura of woggery uh, <laughs> that I think um, he performs so well. Yeah. So, yeah, like, but like we've said, these guys look like they've been yes. friends for a long time. They always have one another's backs. Mm. And one... One scene that I think specifically really highlights how close these boys are, because if this was maybe like an American movie, it would have gone down an alternative okay, route. Okay, go on. They're at Joanna's house, mm-hmm. and Pam, Joanna's friend, mm. doesn't want Danny to come into the house because she yes. doesn't like him. And Joanna like starts using a fire extinguisher <laughs> on Pam, and that's when we reveal that Van has been, uh, you know, is starting to see her, and he gets splashed with the fire extinguisher, and that Ooh. sort of expulsion from the house might really upset him. It's kind of like, hey, you know, man, you're you're letting you know the, this girl treat me like that. Mm-hmm. You know, why aren't you standing up for me? Yeah. Because we're, we're brothers essentially, mm-hmm. and because of the type of archetype slash stereotype that Van is the clothes the hair mean everything yeah <laughs> you know but there's no hard feelings ever like oh, he went straight to wingman mode <laughs> he, really he went straight to hey I'll take this for you man this is I've got mine here you take it. I love it so but again, I think if it was like another production, especially like in America, they'd have to yeah. delve into these these feelings and these expressions of betrayal and, oh, and things like that. Certainly, most and certainly. The film is so much better for just avoiding all of that because, again, it tells us a lot about the relationship yeah, between the boys. 100%. As, yeah, between the boys as well as between Joanna and Pam mm. as well. And I think this is this is something I actually mentioned whilst watching it with you mm-hmm. that there's a real difference between that American and Australian style, Mm. even to the point that Australian pieces, especially of this time, have really got a a, a iconic Mm. style of feel to it and drive and this idea that everything wraps up nicely in the end. Yeah. um, Almost too nicely. It's like overcompensating. (laughs) Whereas an American sort of thing, it would have, this sort of film I feel... The bad guys would have gotten their comeuppance a lot more black and whitely than this. Mm. I mean, they still get their comeuppance here, but it would have been a lot more black and white. Yeah. It would have been explored a little bit more. Mm. But the protagonists would have not gotten the little bit extra that they got. 
yeah. it would have been we're now back to square one. Yeah. We're now back to we've learned our lesson and it's now time for us to grow. Yeah. And we're back to square one. You know, uh, Danny and Joanna would have, you know, probably not kept dating. They probably would have, mm. you know, done the sort of whole, oh, we'll see you at school. We'll yeah. See. yeah, it would have been left sort of a bit yeah, more open, yeah. wouldn't it? Whereas in Australia, we like to, well, we used to, I don't know about now, I think still now, but we, we like to see a wrap-up. We like to see our happy ending. We're, we're uh, like, everything's trying to kill us in this country. I think we need a happy <laughs> ending right now. Um, so, yeah. But also they then, they give us the, the rewarding ending yeah. that we want. I mean, look, to be perfectly honest, you know, we learn that Danny and Joanna marry. And mm. I mean, like, they're so young. I, I actually yeah, want to yeah. be like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Right. But like, we didn't even need to go that far, mm. really, because we believe that they would still be staying together. But it went for that extra step. Yeah. But we believe it. No, yeah, exactly. And the America movie would have ended probably just before that sort of mm. little slideshow we get at the end. Yeah. They may be driving off into, you know, driving off in the Jag or driving <laughs> off in the Cedric. Yes. <laughs> You know, and again, being ambiguous as to exactly what's going on because they don't exactly want to give us that fully wrapped up. They still Mm. want it to be, oh, they don't, won't they? Yeah. Sequels coming. Um, (laughs) But yeah, definitely. Claudia Carvin is absolutely wonderful in this show. Mm. Um, She's absolutely gorgeous. And I think she... The, again, you do see this a lot in the Australian, especially Australian films. I think other films too, but especially Australian films where you've got the female protagonist who is level-headed hmm. to the male protagonist's <laughs> silliness. Yeah. <laughs> we'll call it that. Yeah. And um, again, she's got her head screwed on straight. She's, hmm. you know, the, uh, when they're trying to rescue Danny from the from his own rescue attempts. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, right, you two up on the car yes. to, to, to Mark and Van. They're like, well, why? <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Ah. And then they all run out. And <laughs> I love that she didn't even tell them the plan. No, She's like, no. jump on the car. They all make noise. And then she just runs. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you guys make up the rest. What do we do? Distract them. That's <laughs> <laughs> basically... The- yeah, I love that she just gets involved. She yeah. just jumps in and, and does it. Yeah. And the fact is that she comes from a wealthier background yes. than Danny. So we've got that sort of class it divide. She's very much the rebellious. I'm trying to think of who the character she reminds me of from Breakfast Club. Right. Um, but she's very much that, yeah, that, that upper class, but, oh, I'm a rebel and I'm... A bit like Claire, played yes. by Molly Ringwald. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Just, but not as stuck up. No, she's very no, no, down. No. To, she's very down to earth. Very uh, down to earth. And you, even since, you know, when you see her at school with, with Pam and other mm. friends as well, just how, yeah, just how authentic and how real she is. That she She's not pretentious or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Her and Danny go to the club on their first date mm. and her mates come up to him. And start just essentially bagging Danny in front of his face. Yeah. And she's just like, you know what? Let's get out of here. Because yeah. again, she's that down to earth. She's that yeah. I don't care what other people think. Yeah, she likes him. Sort of thing. That's it. Yeah. I found her friends a bit cartoonish. They're, they're there to be yeah. antagonistic yeah. towards Danny. And it just felt, I was waiting for them to get their mustaches out to 12. <laughs> Mwah! I am the bad guy. You know what though? I do like that. Danny's just open with how much he dislikes them too. It's yeah. kind of like, 
You think you're better than me. Yeah. You're actually this, not. This isn't new to him. Yeah. This is, this is again, kindergarten yeah. stuff. You know? he, he's, he's copped it his whole life. Yeah. And he's just doing him, though. He isn't mean or aggressive to them without provocation. Mm. We're always on his side. And Joanna is just so lovely. Mm. And, and a lot of that comes from Claudia Carvin, who's just... Who just radiates yes. this, this... I don't know. It's just this... Girl next door element. Yeah, that's it. You know, she really is the girl next door, but the girl next door who is accessible type thing. Who you know, she's not. Yeah, I just adore her in this. Mm. And and really, Claudia Carvin is just an actor that you should just watch in anything she does anyway, (laughs) because she's just wonderful. So the the chemistry between them is lovely. You 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 believe that. Yeah, they, they they would move so fast to marriage, I suppose. Yeah. You really, after all this, well, after they've experienced what they've experienced, yeah, yeah. off you go. Now, Philip, some people that we have to mention, yes. who I know you absolutely adored. Oh, yes. Mr. and Mrs. Clark. Yes. <laughs> played by oh, Marshall Napier and Maggie King. They were gorgeous. <laughs> they almost didn't feel like they belonged in this no, movie. No, not at all. And you said it best... They're cartoons. They're cartoons. It's in the best way possible. Yeah, most certainly. (laughs) So, at the very, very, very beginning of the film, Mm -hmm. you have the father saying to Danny, "Why?" A little monologue, basically boiling down to, "Why do you want a Jaguar? Where Union men? Where?" Yeah. So I thought, okay, cool, setting up as. The, the angry father, the, the, the working class, mm. in no time for your dreams, <laughs> Billy Elliot style father, you know, the sort of... Rrr, rrr. And the mother comes sort of around and she, she's a little bit airy-fairy. And, and, but that still made sense. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. they're going down that trope of ditzy, uneducated uh, wife yeah. to the uneducated, stubborn, grumpy father. I'm mm. like, okay, I can see where this is going. Yeah. Next thing you know, the pair of them are doing yoga around the hills hoist. <laughs> They're talking about penis envy through Scrabble. How great is it? He's talking about having visions. <laughs> he's, tr- he's accepting his son's cock-ups faster than Usain Bolt. And that was a weird analogy, but I'm keeping it. And... Just they all of them, they started the film as these grumpy, down to earth working class types. They ended the film. I was expecting pixie dust and, <laughs> and to him to wink and turn into a turn into a, a, a little robin and fly and peck the bad guy's eyes out. So you know, just it was just. Walt Disney by the end of it. So I what the hell? love them so much. It's amazing. But when you look at them, you just kind of, okay, I'm getting an idea why Danny is the way he yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> They're so uh, sweet, aren't they? they? Are. They're so cute. It, it feels like to me, it started off when they started writing the script, they had one idea. And then as they went, they, they just sort of changed the idea and forgot to change the opening monologue. <laughs> I, d- I find it adorable and I love the way that they have this continuing code of men being attached to their vehicles mm. because you've got daddy's father Desmond how he reacts when he finds out that 
when Cedric's being traded for the yeah. Jag. It's such a good scene. Oh, and they go on about it. And then he keeps saying, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And it's like, yeah, you didn't know. <laughs> what do these parents expect? Oh, my son that's been drooling over Jaguars all his life. His bedroom is full of Jaguar posters. He has model Jaguars and says, I would like a Jaguar. Traded in a car for the first Jaguar he could find. <laughs> Who would have guessed? Well, look, you said, oh. it, Philip, when it came to his parents, you said it best. Airy fairy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Do you know what I love? I think if this was any other film with any other characters, they would frustrate the flying oh, fuck out oh, of you. 100%. But, but they're gorgeous. But they're, I love just, them. they're too cute. You can't be they're mad. Too cute. <laughs> And then at the end, like, Daddy's like, I need to buy the other car. The other car. And he's like, yeah, sure. You know, you sold the other one. You haven't been around. I heard that you uh, uh, forged my signature. We have the police around for another Jaguar that's been stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, take the car. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot. The caravan's so attached. <laughs> what? It led to a wonderful uh, chase scene. A beautiful in chase scene. The of Melbourne. Slowest. It was the <laughs> slowest. <laughs> it just. I remember that now because I even said to you at the time, I was like, this just feels like Australian uh, Fast and Furious. <laughs> like if the Australians were to mock to. Uh, it was the slow and the steady. The slow and the steady. <laughs> Fast and Furious uh, geriatric. <laughs> With 18-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, uh, Philip, none of these shenanigans would have gone on if we didn't have an antagonist yes. that we booed and hissed at all the way through. The slimeball himself, who has got one of the greatest names ever, <laughs> Gordon Farkas. Yeah. Played by the brilliant... Steve Bisley. Yes. Your thoughts on him. Oh, uh, he's yeah, perfect bad guy. Oh, like, yeah. Perfect bad guy. As soon as you see him with that hair yeah. <laughs> and that cheap suit, oozes just sleazeball. But again, because this movie sort of has these two mains, I said three, but let's be honest, two mains actual sections. Mm. When he goes and trades in the car, you honestly think he's just... You know, yeah, the, the salesman's a sleazy salesman mm. who's doing him a dodgy and you think, oh, he's going to sell him a lemon. But I never in my wildest dreams thought that we would return <laughs> to the salesman yeah. outside of trying to get your money back or trying to get... Not, oh, by the way, we're going to swap engines and now it's yeah. a... It's a heist and now it's, it's deeper because it's actually criminal activity... Where the hell did this come from? Absolutely. And, and it's brilliant because you do have this character start off just generic sleazy mm. salesman, your know, second-hand car salesman, and he then evolves into this maniacal evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you know, again, bring out the mustache. Yeah. Going to twirl the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I expected them to tie the Cedric down to the railroad <laughs> damsel in distress style. He and his like stockings and high yeah, heels. Yeah. Random, never explored again. Nah. And I'm totally okay with it. Yeah. 
<laughs> because why not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know what, though, Phil? Nadia Tass and David Pocker put so much into this yes. film. And it comes together really well. I do like the way it's edited. I like the way it's scored. I think it looks good. Mm. Uh, I think that they use locations really well. This is something that they do really well in general. Yes. Uh, so overall, I don't know, the look of this film really appealed to me. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a Melbourne boy and this is Melbourne. There's a little bit of I really like that. I really liked it. I think there's a little bit of that, but it really comes down to, as you say, they, they choose their lighting, they choose mm. their when, what time of day they film. They choose everything perfectly. I swear I've been to that car park. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I... Little Broke Street. Yeah. I'm sure we've all been there. Yep. You were saying, you know, you think that most of it's filmed in Footscray. Yeah. Know? It's revealed that Joanne lives in West Footscray. It's oh, mentioned by name. We see them driving towards Footscray. Yep. But it all looks familiar. And, you know, yep. Philip, you and I have spent a lot of time in the beautiful suburb of Footscray. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely, I think the camera work mm. is really spectacular in this film. And, again, we, we saw Malcolm. Mm. Same there, just yeah. she knows how to use icons. Yeah. She knows how to create icons. Yeah. And you know what, mate? Malcolm was a great film. Mm. It's a tough act to follow. Mm. But I think they did a pretty good job. I think they did a very good job on this. Yeah. So, Phil, final thoughts and a score out of five. This was a brilliant bit of Australian cinema. Mm-hmm. And... I really thank you, Wayne, for constantly bringing these Australian <laughs> films to me because yeah, they, these are something I'd never go and see myself. And I do think that this sort of cinema needs to have a bit more of a uh, spotlight shone on it. It really, to me, speaks to the classic, almost golden era of Australian film mm. when we were just starting to really get into our... The swing of things, and then it all collapsed. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, this is a beautiful little piece. It's as you say, it's not trying to be political. It's not trying to be a Australian, you know, come see Australia road trip like Charlie and Boots was. Yeah. It's just trying to be a film set in Melbourne about some teens and a car. Yeah. <laughs> For me. This is absolutely beautiful. Four and a half stars. You know, I feel I agree with you. I think that one of the things that works in the Big Steel's favour is the simplicity of Mm. its story. It's the most simple of premises. It doesn't always go the direction that you think it will go, but whichever route it chooses, it's quite rewarding. Mm. I love the cast in this movie. I think they're just so accessible and relatable and you want these kids to succeed you want to hug mr and mrs <laughs> clark you want to boo hiss and throw your popcorn at the screen <laughs> for farkas it just ticks all of these boxes of a feel-good caper it's a crime caper it's a romantic comedy there's elements of chase movie it's just there's something quite wholesome about it and i think what is central to that is ben mendelson as danny i think we are with him that whole way through and we want him to succeed getting the car that he deserves to get 
getting the girl that he wants to get and trying to stay in favor with her parents as well because we do have that hilarious scene where they come home early yeah and he's <laughs> just wrapped up in the blinds <laughs> it's just lovely so there's a lot of things to like about the big steel it's really sweet and yeah look is is it anything groundbreaking I don't think so, but it's just so well made. It's a feel-good movie with wonderful performances under the very competent and steady direction of Nadia Tass, mm-hmm. who, I will say till I'm blue in the face, <laughs> does not make enough movies, does not yeah, get yeah. enough funding to make movies because she is absolutely brilliant. And her resume up to this point, which was Malcolm and the Big Steel, absolutely shine so for me it's four stars for the big steel beautiful so philip the next time we meet Mm. what are we reviewing mate well seeing as we're finally out of lockdown and have been enjoying the great outdoors i thought i'd return us briefly to the great indoors (laughs) by presenting the musical comedy special by bo burnham Inside. Ooh. Hello. This one got a lot of traction in 2021. So I look forward to watching that, Phil. It's a title that I'm unfamiliar with, so excited to experience it. So until then, I've been Wayne Stellini. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And and you've just experienced Fred Watch. Cue music. You know, Phil, Philip, there's one thing I didn't miss. (laughs) Back in lockdown. Go back. And scene. Oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Sorry if you're going to have a wee bit of editing. <laughs> That's okay. I curse you now, but I chuckle at the blooper reel. Blooper reel! G'day! Hello. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> Just croaky. I'll start that again. <clears throat> but you did your mouth exercises and everything. <laughs> you know what it was? Yeah. I was trying not to be as loud as I normally am. Because... <laughs> you're, don't worry about that. Don't worry about okay. that. Okay. You need to... Tell everyone who she is. Yeah, no, makes sense, makes sense. So yeah, and hello. <laughs> I thought that was okay. I didn't think that was too out of it. A piss weak transition. I was like, I you're like, say. and moving on. No, I was about to say, I was about to go. So yeah, so that's where I'm at. Um, Sorry, I cut off your transition. Go for it. Go for it. it. Breathe and do it again. Just make you laugh again. No, 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 no. So, yeah, so that's where I've been at. Um, how about yourself, Wayne? Don't make me laugh. <laughs> I was just meant to a, 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 a nice little giggle. A nice little... You shouldn't be giggling. Oh, it's, my gosh. When edited, it's out of context. Go again. It's not, because we're really just talking about most stupid stuff. Anyway. Okay, just go. <sighs> So yeah, so that's where I've been at with that. So um, no, see, that was a piss week. That was a piss week. That was that was that was Philip is acting. Okay, okay, alrighty. After his parents give him their beloved Nissan Cedric, eighteen-year-old Danny. Did I say that right, Cedric? It's Cedric.
Yeah, Cedric, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Felt like in my head I said Cedric. <laughs> no. However, when Danny discovers that he's been conned by a used car salesman, Gordon Farkas, Steve Brisley. <laughs> Director Nadia Tass and writer David Parker, who also both produced the film, mortgaged their house in order to finance the film. I've said film twice. I think we'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, <laughs> sure. The second part for me was the... the, the crime caper. I want to use that. And then the third part was almost this sort of... Um, for me, cringe is... Certain actors will always hit me, get me with it. Um... Mm-hmm. um yeah. And actually, it, it was even nicer that they didn't go down the... And again, this is a 1980... 1990. 1990 film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I strongly believe... I agree. It's, it's well done, I think. I agree, definitely. Yeah. I had something, sorry. No, that's okay. Um, Still have it or you want me to move yeah, on? Yeah, hold on, let's... let's yeah, I definitely agree on that. And it's very much... No, it's gone. Okay. Sorry, no, sorry, I think may have talked too much. No, you're okay. right. I don't think Mark... I don't think that Damon... Harriman. But not given quite as much as um, Angelo... Angelo D'Angelo? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> But not quite given as much as Angelo D'Angelo as uh, Van. Um, yeah. <laughs> we've learned our lesson and it's now time for us to grow. Yeah. And we're back to square one. You know, uh, uh, the the uh, Danny... Uh, sorry. That's okay. We didn't even need to go that far, mm. really, because we believe that they would still be staying together, but it went for that extra step. Yeah. We believe it. The, and, and, oh, sorry, go. Go on. No, I don't think I had anything cool. significant. But yeah, definitely um, going right back. Sorry. But you were talking about Joanna. Yeah, we can. We, yeah, we can keep. Well, we talked about that sort of moment, but I think let's let's talk about her. Yeah. Yeah. Claudia Carvin. 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 Who was in a Star Wars movie? Her scene got cut. But yeah, definitely. Claudia Carvin does an absolutely amazing job in she's this film. She's cute. She's cute. Aww. She's one of the reasons I also get a bit funny about these films is because I sit there and go, "Where was she when I was?" <laughs> they always seem to hit just that right sort of, and I, I'm like, I, I could be that protagonist, and I could be with that. <laughs> You're 30, Philip. Yeah. <laughs> move you, on, you, move on. days are over. <laughs> move on. <laughs> Love you, Kirsten. Um, and so, let's cut all yeah, that. Yeah, I, so I think so too. I think so too. I know what I was going for. But oh, no, I got it too. I think it was down the right track. All right. Carbon? Yes. Again, she's got her head screwed on straight. She's, you know, the, uh, when, when they're trying to uh, rescue... Um, they go to the club and her mates are all bitchy to... to they go to the club uh, on their first date, uh, Dan and her. And Dan or Danny? Danny. Danny. Danny? Danny. Danny. 
Danny the Lion Tamer. Danny, yes. Danny the Lion Tamer. <laughs> yeah, so definitely, I think just this. So, Phil, final thoughts and a score out of five. Oh. <laughs> um. <laughs> should use that somewhere um in the blooper reel yeah. <laughs> no, just whatever we watch a movie we hate is, instead, of, uh, yeah, instead of um tell us about it Janet, it's just uh. <laughs> foreshadowing <laughs> i've missed us <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having flashbacks to when we did um, that YouTube series. What if the Star Wars prequels were good? Uh, that was very. That was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And when you threw to me, you sort of sighed, and, and you can hear your eye roll. And you're like, Wayne, what did you think of it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I really in no. This was a really great. I know what I'm trying to say, but I'm just not getting the right words out. It's all right. Take your time, mate. As you say, it's not trying to be political. <laughs> it's not trying to be, oh, still call Australia home, like um, uh, Mac, and Bo- Mac and Boots. Oh, shit. What's the one I'm thinking of? That title sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, Let's have a look at it. Um, I've Googled Mac and Boots and I'm just getting Mac Cosmetics. Sorry. Give me a second because I do need this one. But I know that Boots, I've got, I know of a film that has like Boots in the title. Yeah, I feel like, um, like I know what, I've not seen it, but I know what you're talking about. Who's the guy who does the toilet? Charlie and Boots. Charlie and Boots, that's the one. So, Philip, the next time we meet, mm. what are we reviewing, mate? Well, I would like to end uh, all this. Lockdown and <laughs> insideness. I'm going to start that over. Yeah, that worries. I'm going for. I know what I'm going for, but yep. again, not. Well, we have been. Um, no, <laughs> no, we haven't. Because this is what December. Yeah, yeah. So we're out of mm. lockdown for two months. You can talk about going into the new year, though. Mm. If you want to reflect on the year that's been. Mm, that's sort of what I'm trying to do, but I was, I was being a bit too a bit too close to the... Oh, okay. Okay, I yeah. think. Well, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wayne. There we go, Pilgrim. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Philip. You and your transitions. <laughs> transition! I think every time instead of a transition, we need to get you some theme music so you don't need to worry about them. <laughs> Tonight. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh, gosh. Do you need another lead in? Or you're okay. Uh, no, I'm all right. You're alright. Why not? Well, <laughs> 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 I know. <laughs> <laughs>
staring at me. <laughs> okay, go. Sorry. I'm trying to breathe. All right. Please breathe. I need you conscious. <laughs> well, seeing... No. I'm just fucking... Well, seeing as we're finally out of lockdown and have been enjoying the great outdoors, I thought I'd return us briefly to the great indoors <laughs> and show... And, and I want to start from there. Yeah. By bringing, by bringing, by presenting. Yeah. This one got a lot of traction in 2021. So. Great. So look forward to watching that yes. starting our new season. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. I didn't like the way I said that. That's okay. <laughs>